through my 20 years of ministry, again, that makes me sound old, through my 20 years of ministry and learning about the Holy Spirit, I've learned that you cannot have one without the other. In other words, theology without the experience of Him. You can't do with one without the other. Having all theology, for those of us who are cerebral, you like to think, having all theology without being spirit-led can lead to legalism. The Pharisees were like that. Here's what Jesus told the Pharisees. He says, you don't even know the Scripture. You pride yourself on it, but you don't even know the Scripture, and you don't know the power of God. So it's not enough to know the Scripture. That's great to know the Scripture, but without knowing the power of God? Jesus said, what, what's the point? You need to know the Scripture and the power of God. So having a theology without being Spirit-led can lead to legalism or just a brainiac. It's a by-the-book procedures. Well, you're not doing this right, so God doesn't accept you. Well, you're not doing that right. However, on the flip side of that, having all Spirit-led or the practice without theology can lead to emotionalism, to where you're driven by emotion and things get crazy. I've got faith, so we're going to bring out the snakes today. No, we're not. <laughs> no, we're not. Because you have to understand what the Bible says in practice, right? So we want to understand everything. I've, I've told you before, snakes come out. There's a door right here, but I'm going to make a new one. And it's a brick wall, so I'm going to be running pretty fast. We have to have both. I've also learned that as I learn about the theology or studying the Holy Spirit, I want to be led by Him and give Him free reign. So as I learn about Him, I want the action to accompany that. And I've learned that as I have the action and I allow Him to lead me, I want to learn about who He is. So as I have gotten to know Dean over the years, Dean, you're just always that presence that's there. And maybe it's because you sit there, that's why I call your name a lot. But as Dean is here and I know Him, I want to know about Him as well. And the more I know about him, I'm going to say things like, Dean, why, why is it that you like that particular thing? And he'll tell me his life's history. So you see how it works together? You know about someone, so you want to know why they are the way they are. You learn why people are the way they are. You want to know even more about them. You see how it all goes together? You really can't have one without the other. We must have theology. We must have action. Uh, and, and in order to have that balance of not getting crazy... If you grew up in Pentecostal churches anywhere, you, you may have experienced just crazy, all right? Now, I'm not talking about people getting happy and yelling and screaming and running. You know what? When the joy of the Lord comes over you and you feel like you just got to shout, shout, right? But I'm talking operating out of, as the Bible calls it, operating out of the flesh. You know, just this is my emotionalism coming up to the surface. So here's what we're going to talk about today. When it comes to the Holy Spirit, we're going to learn a little bit about the mystery of who he is and a little bit about the history. The reason for that, again, is so that we can get a proper understanding of how he wants to work in us and through us. So you ready uh, for I know you brainiacs are ready and those uh, the rest of us who may not quite be brainiacs. You're going to learn something today. Apply it to your life. And I believe you're going to see the Holy Spirit work in you and through you this week. You ready? All right, all right, now we're getting Pentecostal in here. All right, here we go. So many non-believers and believers want to try to figure God out. I can remember as a kid, I think I was probably 
I'm going to guess 13 years old, 10 to 13, somewhere in that, that age range. I can remember laying in bed at night, and you know, you can't go to sleep because you're excited about something, then your mind starts going. And I remember trying to think about God. And I would think, because I heard in a Sunday school lesson or something, I heard, well, God has always existed. And my brain would fry. I couldn't, I couldn't understand that. God has always been around. If you try to think about that for too long, it will. It will, it will mess with your mind. God is so big. He, I heard things like he can hear everybody's prayer. You know, there's times in my house where I have Stasha, Nathan, and Gabe, all three talking to me at one time. And I'm like, stop, hold on. Just, and then the dogs are barking. You know, they're wanting food. I can't concentrate on more than, I'm a guy. I can't concentrate on more than one thing at a time. All the wives are all, you hear that? I did not know. But God can hear every... I can't fathom that about God. I, I, I just... I cannot figure God out. We have difficulty believing in something, or in this case, someone, that we cannot figure out. If you try to figure God out, you will fail. If you try to figure Him out, you will fail. However, we have the hope and knowledge from Scripture that He does reveal Himself to us. We'll never totally have Him figured out. So if you are on a pursuit to try to totally figure out God, just stop now. But read His Word and pursue Him and the things that He has revealed, take all that in. Almost like eating it. I think it was, was it Isaiah or Ezekiel. They're talking about eating the Word of God. He literally ate it. So I want you to get that picture. Take in all of God that you can, that he has revealed. I think it was my mom who told me this a while back. Um, the moment that we figure out God is the moment he ceases to be God. He is the creator. We are the created. Right? There's only certain things that we're going to be able to figure out. And he has revealed so much about himself. I don't know about you, but I cannot fully fathom the grace of God. How the God of the universe would send his only son to die for me. I can't fathom that. I don't understand how someone could have so much love and grace for somebody. But he does because his word tells me that he did. Why? Man, I can't fathom it all other than the fact that he loves me. I can't grasp all of that love. You know what I'm saying? Does that make sense what I'm trying to get across today? I don't know that I can understand fully who he is, but he has revealed himself. I have a quote that's going to be up here, and I want you to follow this with me. This was from a guy a long time ago. His name is Bernard Reims. So it's a little bit of, again, you cerebral people out there, you're going to love this because it gets pretty intellectual, but I'm going to break it down so that all of us can understand this. He said this, to profess to know a great deal about the Spirit of God is contrary to the nature of the Spirit of God. I'll take that in for a moment. To, if I say that I know a great deal about the Spirit of God, that's contrary to His nature. There's so much about Him I cannot fathom. There is a hiddenness to the Spirit that cannot be uncovered. He's a mystery. There is an immediacy of the Spirit that cannot be shoved into vision. There's an invisibility of the Spirit that cannot be forced into visibility, into visibility, right? We can't see the Holy Spirit. In other words, we can't see a tangible, I see Nathan here, I can put my hands on him. 
not necessarily with the Spirit. There is a resonance of the Spirit that cannot be converted into openness. In other words, there's this air about him. There's, there's just something there that's hidden that cannot be brought to light. There's, there's something that's there. For those reasons, one feels helpless and inadequate and unworthy to even talk about him. Or to write a line, as that quote says. I don't know that I can adequately teach who the Holy Spirit is. I don't know that I can. Because there's so much that is uncovered. There's so much that is hidden about him. However, with that in mind, there are things that have been revealed about the Holy Spirit. And we've learned that this year. We're going to learn some more things today. So there's four things, five things specifically that I want to tell you about the Holy Spirit that you can put up here in your head and you can tell other people about him, okay? So as, as mysterious as God is, the fact that he's so hard to understand, he has revealed himself, himself in his word. And he has given you and me his Holy Spirit to tell us about the mysteries of God. Not all of them, but doggone it, a lot of them so that we can know who he is. First of all, the Spirit is essential. We said last week we have to be desperate for the presence of the Holy Spirit. If I am not desperate for the presence of the Holy Spirit, I just live my life. Um, a couple of things we talked about last week. If, if I don't feel that I have to help have the Holy Spirit to help me be a husband and a dad and a pastor and a neighbor, if I don't feel that I have to have the Holy Spirit, I got it, I'm doing it wrong. Not because, oh Lord, you see how my wife is doing today. You see how those kids are today. Holy Spirit, I need you. No, because of the responsibility and the weight of being a husband and a dad and a pastor and a worker and a neighbor. Holy Spirit, I need you because I don't want to mess those kids up. I don't want to mess my wife up. I don't want to mess your church up. And the Holy Spirit, what does he say? Man, you just pray and I've got you. I've got you. You pray, you believe, you press in, you study, you get to know me. I will reveal myself to you. The Holy Spirit is essential because without the Holy Spirit, there's no gospel, no faith, no church, and no Christians. The Holy Spirit was present at the beginning. He, create, he, was, he was part of creation. He's always been there. And without him, there's none of that. Why is that? Because it's the Holy Spirit that draws us to Jesus, that lets us know the love of the Father. The Holy Spirit is essential. Jesus, in fact, told his disciples not to go anywhere until they were empowered with the Holy Spirit. I had you turn to Acts chapter 1, verse 4. And again, Sonny, I am so sorry. You may have corrected that just because you're really cool. But anyway, um, Acts chapter 1, verse 4, it says, Once when he was eating with them, he commanded them, this is Jesus talking to his disciples, Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised, as I told you before. John baptized with water, but just in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. See, here's the funny thing. Jesus saw the disciples in action, and he said, There's no way you guys can do this on your own. I feel that he looks at me sometimes, David, you know, you're my son and I love you, but don't even try to do this on your own. You need the Holy Spirit. He told his disciples, these apostles that we look at and think, man, they're holy men of God. You can't do this on your own. 
You can't do it on your own. You need the Holy Spirit. So here's what I want you to do, disciples. Here's what I want you to do, pastor. Here's what I want you to do, workers for the kingdom of God. Here's what I want you to do, men and women and children of God. I want you to wait for the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. At the end of this service today, I'm going to have a prayer time. And I'm going to ask that you would come as we're dismissing today. You know, I need that empowerment of the Holy Spirit so that I can be filled with the Spirit? Why do I need to be filled with the Spirit? So that I can be an effective witness about who Jesus is. So I want you to keep listening because we're going to have that prayer time here at the end today. The Holy Spirit is essential. You must be, the Bible calls it, baptized in the power of the Holy Spirit. So Jesus saw his uh, disciples in action. He knew they needed help. But Jesus uses the weak things of the world you know, as I have grown as, as a man, you know, you, you, you want to be strong, right? You want to be strong, you want to be able to lift heavy things. I pick things up and I put them down. That was old Saturday Night Live skit, I guess, a long time ago. We want to be strong. We want to be able to say, I got this, I can handle it. But God uses the weak things of the world. You were not called. Now, this, if you're sitting in a chair, I want you to listen to this and standing in the back. <laughs> Those guys, they're awesome. Thanks for keeping us safe, by the way, guys. You were called to serve the Lord because you are weak, not because you are strong. I want that to settle in for a moment. So if you're thinking, I can't serve God because I'm weak, I don't have it all together, you're right where God wants you. His Spirit in you brings Him great glory. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians 12, 9, and the Scripture is going to help us uh, understand that just a little bit better whenever I say you were called because you were weak, not because you were strong. So here's Paul as you're turning to 2 Corinthians 12. Here's Paul, and he's got this little situation he's dealing with in his health. We're not exactly sure what it is. There's a thorn in his flesh, the Bible calls it. So we're not exactly sure what that could particularly be, but uh, he was pretty weak, and this, this was causing him not to be able to do the things... You, get, you ever at that place where your health doesn't allow you to do what you want to do? You know, man, if I was 20 years old again, and for those of you who are 20, enjoy it. Wyatt, enjoy it, buddy. <laughs> enjoy it. He's like, I am, man. Dude, you've got to go. If you don't have any plans today, take Wyatt to lunch. This guy will entertain you with his stories about craziness. Stasha told him, he was at Monday Motivation, that he is not allowed to hang out with our boys. Just because he used to ride and like hang on to tailgates of trucks on his skateboard and all kinds of stuff. Dude, he's crazy. You will love his stories, but he's passionate about the Lord now, yeah. right? He's taken that passion for life, man, and he's, he's passionate about the Lord now. And he's strong, all these type of things. But God didn't call Wyatt because he's strong and he's crazy. He said, Wyatt, there's something within you that's weak. I, I don't want to be called weak right? Especially you guys out there, Darren, we didn't want to be called weak when we were at the gym, did we? We didn't want to be called weak. We were kind of walking around like this, you know, like we had something. We don't want to be weak. <laughs> we don't work out anymore because there were girls in there who lifted more than we did. <laughs> it was that shoulder surgery we had, wasn't it? Those was injuries. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. 
Each time he said, my grace is all you need. This is Jesus talking to Paul. My grace is all you need. My power, God said, works best in weakness. So Paul says, now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That is why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults, the hardships, the persecutions, the troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. We need the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit and the person of the Holy Spirit working through us. He is essential. You're not strong enough on your own physically, emotionally, even spiritually on your own without the presence of the Holy Spirit. He is essential. Secondly, the Spirit is intangible. That's a cool word, isn't it? It means he's in, you can't define Him. You can't really perceive everything about Him. Uh, just write this down. It's not going to be on the screen, but John chapter 3, verse 8. John chapter 3, verse 8 says, The wind blows wherever it wants, just as you can hear the wind but can't tell where it comes from or where it is going, so you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. So the Spirit is intangible. Now there's a hurricane a-brewing. This afternoon, my family and I are going on vacation to the Outer Banks. Come on, somebody. We're going to experience the wind of Florence. And a camper. I called yesterday and I'm like, hey, can we reschedule? Yeah, but we're still going to charge you the first night. I'm like, we're on the way. I'm not going to lose 50 bucks. <laughs> I'm just cheap. I'm just cheap. So when you leave, you'll see my Suburban hooked up to a camper that we borrowed from a friend. And it's not mine, so it's a good. We're going to leave that puppy and we're coming home. We're going to experience some wind this week. But those hurricanes, by the way, can we, just, can we pray for a moment? Because I want to pray that thing. Do you have enough faith to pray something out to see? Well, we're going to try, right? We're just going to say, Lord... Will you protect those who are in the path? And if this thing does come ashore, Lord, protect lives. But we're going to pray, Lord, would you just send that thing back out to sea? Not so that a vacation is saved. No, but so that property and lives are protected, Lord. Will you, will you do your mighty work in Jesus' name? Amen. Amen. The wind blows wherever it wants, just as you can't hear the wind but can't tell where it comes from or where it is going, so you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. See, it's easy. We can give images to God the Father. If you watch things like the Holy Grail, they have these nice paintings of who the Father is, this God up in heaven, and he kind of talks like that. You know, it's weird, halo on him. We, we can see Jesus, right? There's paintings of Jesus. Now, the Bible describes the Holy Spirit as a dove, a wind, a fire, oil. Okay, how does that work? I can't perceive all of that. How, what's the Holy Spirit even look like? Right? It's just it's something we can't really perceive. It's, it's intangible. It's indefinable. So while it's easier to give images to the Father and Son, how do we picture, we're going to go King James Version here, how do we picture the Holy Ghost? Now, as a kid, that terrified me. I saw something with a halo that had a sheet on it. That was in my little kid mind. I'm thinking, woo, you know, Halloween's coming up. Woo. And it was, it was kind of scary. But how do we picture the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit? He is intangible. But he has revealed what he will do in us and through us. 
and that has empowered us. So he's essential. He is intangible. He is inexhaustible. In other words, I can't know everything about him. We've spent a lot of time talking about that, so let's rush through this one. So while we can't know him exhaustively, we can know him in truth. The Bible tells us that. We can know about the Holy Spirit. And a good place to start is John 14 through 16. Talks a lot about who the Holy Spirit is, okay? So you can learn about him. John 16, 13. Go ahead and turn with me to John. Uh, I'll make sure I didn't get ahead of myself. Yeah, let's go ahead and turn to John 16. I love to hear those pages flip, and thank you for bringing your paper Bibles. Again, that's just a personal thing. You can read it on your phone. That's cool. I do that, too. I'm not against these tablets, or, but there's something about the paper Bible. Thank you for bringing those. So John 3, 8, we said that the, he blows wherever he wants. Don't quite understand him. John 16, 13, though, says, When the Spirit of truth comes, that is the Holy Spirit, he will guide you into all truth. So while he is inexhaustible and we can't know everything about him, we can trust that he will teach us the truth about who he is and who Jesus is. So we're talking about this great big mystery today. I don't quite fully understand the Holy Spirit. Welcome to the crowd. But he will reveal Jesus to you. If you're a believer here today, do you know how you came to get saved? Do you know how you came to know Jesus as your personal Savior? Now the pastor on the stage, the neighbor across the street, the Sunday school teacher may have told you about Jesus, but it was the Holy Spirit who drew you to him. Amen. That was the work of the Holy Spirit. When you have the privilege of leading someone to say this prayer of salvation and lead them to Jesus, it's really not you. Now, yes, you are a vessel being used, but the Holy Spirit is drawing that person. I have witnessed to tons of people who have not prayed the prayer of salvation. The Holy Spirit's working on them, but at that moment, they're just resisting, right? Maybe you were one of those. Maybe I was one of those. But there was a point where we yielded to the truth of the Holy Spirit. He was drawing me. So he's inexhaustible. I can't know everything about him, but he guided us into all truth, and he is guiding us into truth today. Amen. Thank God for his Holy Spirit. Number four, the Holy Spirit is knowable. So I've given you all this stuff like, how in the world am I going to know God if he's inexhaustible, if he's all these things? He is totally knowable. Now, you won't know everything about him, but he is knowable. He reveals himself to us. He is very personal. Oftentimes you'll hear, maybe you'll hear me say, I feel like the Lord is wanting to say something to his people. Do you know where that comes from? The Holy Spirit. Last Sunday in church, I said, I believe that there's some few folks here that you have a word from the Lord. And God had been speaking that week to them. How did they hear all of that? They were listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit. They had been in their Bibles. They were reading, God wants to speak through you. Every single person in here. And he's saying, make yourself available. Just, Holy Spirit, would you use me? He is very knowable and he wants to reveal himself. He is personal. This next part, I want you to hang on here with me real quick, okay? Because this is where rubber meets the road stuff, all right? So everybody, say, I'm here. here. All right, you're checked in. Very good. You will hear a lot of arguments today and have heard a lot of arguments that there are many ways to Jesus. You just have to believe you're God. You just have to believe uh, there are many ways to heaven. I'm sorry. There are many ways to heaven. 
But you know, the Bible says this, that Jesus is the only way to the Father. That's what the Bible says. That's the truth that the Holy Spirit has revealed. So hang on here with me. It is important to know that the Holy Spirit was given to us by the Father and was sent by Jesus as well. So the Father and Jesus both sent the Holy Spirit. Why am I bringing this up? Okay, for cerebral people, again, you like to think through things, all this. There are some doctrines out there that say that the Holy Spirit only comes from the Father. But what that leaves open for is that the Holy Spirit can go over here and work in this particular religion, uh, religion as well and say, no, you can bypass Jesus to get to the Father. The only way to the Father is through Jesus. The Bible says that. The Word reveals that. So we have to understand that the Holy Spirit is a gift of the Father and of Jesus. He glorifies Jesus. He glorifies the Father. The Holy Spirit is knowable. There's no other name under heaven by which men are saved, and that's the name of Jesus. And the Holy Spirit points us in that direction. The Holy Spirit will never bypass Jesus to get to the Father. Let's back that up with some scriptures. You were in John 16. Go back a couple chapters to John 14, 26. And it says, But the, when the Father sends the Advocate... So his, who sends the Holy Spirit? It says the Father, right? The Advocate is the Holy Spirit. As my representatives, that is the Holy Spirit, He will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I have told you. So this is Jesus. So you see both of them at work, okay? So that may not totally put the point home. So let's look at John 15, 26. It does point to that. But look at John 15, 26. And Jesus says it really directly here. But I will send you the advocate. This is Jesus talking. I will send you the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth. He will come to you from the Father and testify about me. See, that shows us that it's the Father and it's Jesus. And this is important. Again, I know for some of you are like, well, theology, I believe in Jesus, all these things. We have to know about the Holy Spirit as well. He directs us to Jesus. He came from Jesus. He directs, us our praise to, directs our praise to the Father. He came from the Father. It's essential that we know this. He is very knowable. Finally, the Holy Spirit, I say finally, I'm preaching, so we've got a couple more points after that. But point number five, the Holy Spirit is experiential. We can experience Him. We can see His power at work. Anybody in the room ever been healed? Anybody in, ever, in the room ever heard, you know the Lord spoke to you? Anybody in the room ever been drawn to Jesus? You were saved, right? He is, any of you, maybe, maybe it was even this, maybe it was kind of a, a feels type of thing, right? I'm not a feels type of guy, but some, maybe I am a little bit as I get older. I was talking to Syria and Jerry about this last night. I'm like, you know, as I get older, I find I cry a lot easier and I feel like a sissy. But hey, the Bible says when I am weak, he is strong. So as long as I'm crying for the Lord, it's all good. But I'm not going to cry right now, okay? <clears throat> tough. Um, he is experiential. We can see his power at work. People are healed. He prays through you. Have you ever felt that you just needed to pray for somebody? You know, you just somebody gets dropped on you. Lisa, man, why in the world am I thinking about Lisa right now? And God says, I need you to pray for her. That's the Holy Spirit. You have experienced him. He gives you guidance and wisdom. You ever prayed, Lord, I don't know what to do here. And all of a sudden the answer just drops in your lap. You're like, oh, that makes sense. We'll try that. He is experiential. He will work through you. Now, 
Because he is experiential, you can experience him, it has made him controversial throughout history. Because we said, anytime you introduce people into the situation, and we take on the flesh, right, things can get a little weird. I want to address that. We're Pentecostals here, right? But I want to address this for a moment. It can make him controversial. But here's the reality. We have different experiences. So when people are jumping up and down and shouting because God has set them free, I'm not going to judge them. Right? Not at all. I, I, man, I, you know, I get to rocking on my guitar sometimes. And Why is that? Because one, I'm having fun playing. But two, I'm like, God, you are so good. And I'm just, you know, the, the music here is to glorify you. We have our different experiences. Some people will be overcome with joy. You know what? And they have to shout. I'm not going to judge that. You shout. Some of you, you get into worship, man, and, and God has set you free, and you're just all over the place. I'm not going to stop you from doing that. I'm going to encourage you to do that. Why is that? We have different experiences. We have different personalities. Some of us are more conservative. Some of us are just out there. Someone who is conservative, that doesn't mean they have less of the Holy Spirit. It just means that's their personality. People who are out there doesn't necessarily mean that they have more of the Holy Spirit. They're just more expressive in their personality. We have different personalities, don't we? We have different experiences. But he's been made controversial throughout history. There are weird people who blame weird things on the Holy Spirit. My pastor used to say this, if you were weird before you got saved, you're going to be weird after you get saved. (laughs) There's just some weird people out there, and that's okay. You be you. <laughs> if you're weird, you know, own it, live up to it, right? But be guided by the Holy Spirit. Be guided by the Holy Spirit. There are well-meaning people who have given a bad name to the work of the Spirit because they say the Spirit came all over me and I couldn't help myself. The Holy Spirit does not make you a robot. It doesn't do that. But there are times, again, where you just have to go for it. God, you've been so good to me. I'm not going to dance today because I'm not very good at it, but you've been so good. Holy Spirit cha-cha or something, I don't know. We cannot deny that he is experiential. Throughout history, there have been moves of the Spirit that have caused revival. Starting with the book of Acts. There were men and women in the upper room who began to speak in tongues and people came around and said, you are crazy. No, they didn't say that. They said, you are drunk. Hmm? No, we're not drunk as you are supposed about us. We're not, we're not drunk. This is what Jesus promised. He said, if you go wait, you will receive the Holy Spirit. I don't know what that looked like in the upper room, but I can tell you when the Holy Spirit came upon them and they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance, okay, not something they were making up, as the Spirit gave them utterance, there had to be a freedom that was in that room that would make people, oh, they got to be drunk. No, it was the Holy Spirit. Now, throughout history, we're talking about controversies. There have been people who have, again, blamed things on the Spirit. You know what? Here's, here's my judging tool, if we want to use the word judging. Here's my judging tool. If it's in the Word of God... Dance. It's in the Word of God. Shout. Be happy. Laugh. Be joyful. Uh, speak in tongues. Right? The Bible talks about 
church order and things being done decently and in order. So yes, there's that side of it too. Have freedom in the Spirit. There's certain experiences that have happened even recently, and I hesitate to call what they are, but I don't read about it in the Bible. Okay, I don't read in the Bible where the Holy Spirit makes people bark like a dog. That was back in the early 2000s, 1900s, 1990s or something. Okay, now, I'm not trying to judge people's experience, right? But things get weird. The Holy Spirit is not weird. But He is experiential. And there are times, man, I love it when people come to the altar. I'm not going to call anybody out, but I saw some folks coming up to the altar today during worship. You come to the altar. You kneel. You raise your hands as the Holy Spirit is drawing you. Amen. Let's close with this, and I'm serious this time. Within our history, and we're Pentecostals, this really came about in the 1900s. So I'm talk, we're talking about real stuff here for a moment. Here's what Pentecostalism is defined as. Not craziness. Pentecostalism, Pentecostalism is defined as the baptism in the Holy Spirit that follows conversion. You're saved. Praise the Lord that you're saved. But Jesus told his disciples to go and wait for the Holy Spirit till he comes upon you with power. Some of you in this room have been saved but have yet to respond to the baptism with the Holy Spirit. Again, this is not weird. I promise you it's not. But it's, Lord, here I am. You've saved me, and I'm submitting myself to you today. Will you baptize me in the power of the Holy Spirit so that I can be an effective witness? Acts chapter 1, verse 8. That's what it is. Power for witness. You ever feel like, man, I can't talk to my friends about Jesus? You know why? You need the baptism with the Holy Spirit. You will find a boldness that comes on you. Well, that's just not me. No, but the Holy Spirit will make it you. I implore you today, do not leave here if you have not been baptized in the power of the Holy Spirit. How does that work? Well, you're going to come to the front. Mr. Wayne and Miss Vicki are going to be up here in just a little bit. We still have a little bit to go. They're going to be up here and they're going to pray for you because the Bible says this, if you want the Holy Spirit, you just ask the Father. They're going to say things like, you know what, just ask the Father for the, for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Because Jesus said this, how many of you, if you ask your, if your child asks you for a loaf of bread, that you give him a rock? No, we're not going to give him anything like that. The Holy Spirit says, if, or Jesus, I'm sorry, the Father says, if you ask me for the Holy Spirit, I'm going to give him to you. That's all it is. I need to be baptized in the presence of the Holy Spirit, in power of the Holy Spirit. It's the second baptism. Second uh, Pentecostalism was also this, as it really came on strong in the early 1900s. Now, it's always been around, but came on really strong. Speaking in tongues, a heavenly language, whatever you want to call it, is evidence of that baptism in the Spirit. So, does it happen to everybody? Yes. Immediately? No. Not necessarily. But it's available. Why is it important? Well, to speak to the Father. Thirdly, all the gifts of the Spirit are to be used today accompanying evangelism. So as we are talking to people about Jesus, they are healed in Jesus' name. A word of wisdom is given to you. A word of knowledge is given to you. Discernment about what's going on in that person's life. The Holy Spirit wants to work through you so that people can come to Jesus. Pentecostalism wasn't just limited to a a certain denomination in the early 1900s. Did you know that Methodist, Lutheran, Episcopalian, and some Catholic churches all embraced this in the mid-1900s? 
and saw amazing things happen. Not all of them express, uh, ex- um, receive that today necessarily, but a lot of them still do. Or maybe I shouldn't say a lot of them, but there are those who do. I'm not sure the statistics on that. But Pentecostalism wasn't just limited to certain denominations because people understood we cannot live this life without you, Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not a denominational God. We are four square, we are Pentecostal, praise the Lord for the gifts that move in us and through us, but the Holy Spirit is not an exclusive part of four square, Pentecostalism, Church of God, uh, Assemblies of God churches. It doesn't just belong to a certain denomination. He's for everybody. Signs, wonders, and miracles accompanied evangelism in the Pentecostal movement in the mid-1900s. Lord, would we see that today? You know what we have? Did you see the people who raised their hands in this room that said, we've been healed, we've been saved? Praise the Lord. He is still in the business today. The question of healing, speaking in tongues, heresies, all these things have been raised out through, have been brought to light during our church history. You have questions, so do I, and so do your friends. We must be careful so that we don't enter into heresy about the Holy Spirit. We've got to know who He is. People have gone outside the lines all the time. There are some areas in the body of Christ where it's okay to agree to disagree. You know, different denominations don't necessarily believe the way, they don't interpret the scriptures the way that we do. It's okay. Our focus is on who Jesus is. That is a non-negotiable. He is the Son of God who died for your sins upon the cross. He was buried and He was resurrected. And He now sits at the right hand of the Father making intercession for us. And the nomination, we don't disagree on who the Holy Spirit is. Maybe some will say, well, He doesn't heal today. There's tongues are not for today. All these type of things. You know, those things people will argue about. But Jesus is the one thing that we cannot argue about. And the Holy Spirit is not a person that we can argue about either, and we don't. He is real. We just need to be educated about Him. Can we stand this morning? Our prayer, Holy Spirit, will you guide us into truth about who you are? Will you cause us to understand that to love each other and to love God is better than to win an argument right Holy Spirit may we know you so that we can share you with other people man I'm telling you what the Holy Spirit loves you he wants you to know Jesus he wants you to understand the love of the Father he wants you to walk in power it's important that we know who he is And as we are dismissing today, again, I want to challenge you. If you've been saved, praise the Lord. But you know that there is more in your walk with the Lord. You need to be baptized in the power of the Holy Spirit to be an effective witness. I want you to come forward today to say, I need the power of the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to call in reinforcements here, okay? uh, Larry and Gail and Dean and... um, Dwayne, if you guys could be down here, Mr. and Ms. Stowe are going to be down here to pray. Because um, I just, I believe there's more than one person who needs to respond to that today. Tommy's going to put on some music here in just a moment.
So Miss Vicki can come and uh, pray with her husband. And so I'm going to ask them to dismiss us in prayer. But um, I encourage you, do not leave this place today if you have not experienced the Holy Spirit baptizing you in power to be a witness. Amen? Amen. We love you so much. We will see you next Sunday. We will be back here. The winds will blow us back here, doggone it. But we will be back here to see you next Sunday. We love you so much. If you need anything at all, of course, on the back of your bulletin, you'll see a phone number for the elders. They are available to you. We are thinking that where we are, there's not going to be much cell phone service. So call them. They'll be able to, uh, to pray with you. Amen. Mr. Stowe, will you dismiss us in prayer today? And when he's done, come forward and receive from the Lord. Mm-hmm.